Hey everyone, please listen to this important message that Henry has to share. Hello, my mama says bad words. So please make sure to wear your earmuffs for this week's episode. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. We are in a series called Your Story, where our guests will be sharing the story of healing their relationship with their body. Each person's story is unique to them, and we are humbled by their vulnerability and willingness to join us in this space. As a result, we will not be editing out as many numbers, specific behaviors, or details as we normally would. If anyone's story has details that trigger you due to your healing journey, please press pause and take care of yourself. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today we are stoked to hear from someone near and dear to Tina's heart and to so many of you listeners who follow her on social media at Fit Fat and All That. Julia Parzik is joining us to share her story of healing and she touches on the important piece of healing that includes putting a critical eye towards the wellness industry, diet culture, and redefining the term, quote unquote, healthy Julia went from being tethered to her eating disorder to a beach body fitness coach, then to a body positivity coach. And we <laughs> and we laughed this week as we marveled at her internal mindset changes, but also seriously discussed how to navigate this complex wellness industry. Many people think that those in the anti-diet world overanalyze language and that don't promote health. But what we fail to understand is that we are so passionate about health. Yeah, I mean, what we truly want to critique and overanalyze is how the subtle comments about our bodies and others' bodies, about good foods and bad foods, about healthy weight versus unhealthy weight, and just about simplifying healthy to really mean skinny, absolutely destroys the key foundation to health. Because the key foundation is really decreased body shame, flexibility with food, awareness of our unique genetic makeup, and realizing that our bodies are just a vehicle to our souls. If our souls cannot freely fly because they are weighed down by our insecurities and obsession with our appearance, then we're not healthy. We thought you might like this quote we found in an article by Manager Mint Media. (laughs) That's a tongue twister. Explaining the economic shifts in the industry and how the diet industry has generalized itself while doubling its income. According to the Global Wellness Institute, the global health and wellness industry is now worth $4.2 trillion. The industry has been growing with 12.8% between 2015 and 2017 and represents 5.3% of global economic output. The health and wellness industry encompasses all activities which promote physical and mental well-being, from yoga to healthy eating, personal care and beauty, nutrition and weight loss, meditation, spa retreats, workplace wellness, and wellness tourism. 
Once upon a time, our contact with wellness was occasional. We went to the gym or got a massage. But this is changing fast. A wellness mindset is starting to permeate the global consumer consciousness, affecting people's daily decision-making. Whether food purchases, a focus on mental wellness and reducing stress, incorporating movement into daily life, environmental consciousness, or their yearning for connection and happiness. Wellness for many people is evolving from rarely to daily, from episodic to essential, from a luxury to a dominant lifestyle value. We really don't want health to become a dominant value, especially because it reeks of privilege and continues to widen the gap between those who can afford these spa and wellness activities and those who cannot. Meaning these new definitions of health and wellness are for the financially privileged. Health is complex, and we hope that Julia's story of how she found flexibility in her food choices, developed a critical eye to her fitness choices, and embraced genetic differences in her family helps you take steps towards healing as well. So let's get to know Julia a bit, and then we'll head to her interview. Julia Parzik is an eating disorder recovery coach and body acceptance influencer. She helps women find a healthy relationship with their bodies, food, and fitness, and truly learn to appreciate and accept themselves. She is fully recovered from her eating disorder of 10 years and finds strength and vulnerability. Let's listen in. Well, welcome to Mom Jeans. Uh, yeah, we're going to jump right in. And so we are going to put you on the spot. <laughs> I just got so anxious. <laughs> what we are asking everyone this season, a fun fact that you want to share about yourself, her face. I, it's so funny. Like everybody always asks these questions. And I'm like, I don't like, do I have a fun fact about myself? If you don't, we'll um, for sure get to it in this episode. That's what we've realized. A fun fact comes a out. A fun fact about myself. It's, oh, it's not a fun fact. It's just like something that I do that's weird. I mean, I like legitimately have full on conversations with myself throughout the day. And like Carl and I, he does the same thing, my boyfriend. And we think we're talking to each other sometimes because we're just like full-blown having conversations with each other. We've been living alone for a long time and now we live together. <laughs> I love it. So basically you talk to yourself all day. Yeah. I'm my yeah. own best friend. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we are. Yeah, that's the fun fact. My best friend is myself. Yeah, I love it. Well, so today's episode, we're going to be chatting about your journey through your body image, acceptance and healing. And so can you kind of just kick our listeners off with what that journey has been for you and kind of where you're at with it today? Yeah. I mean, Tina knows all about it. <laughs> um, she was actually my like registered dietitian through recovery, which is super cool. And I just like love that this has all come full circle full because circle. I know if it wasn't for you and Amy I definitely would not be here today that's for you sure you did the work we were just the guidance the stepping stones yes I know but such helpful guidance um oh well thanks I started having like a lot of body image issues when I was probably like 12 13 14 Grew up in a very loving household it's like no one ever put pressure on me to like diet or do anything like that but eating disorders like run rampant in my family. Everybody has body image issues or an eating disorder. So 
I just kind of picked up things by like watching my family members. And so I, my sister's 5'11", blonde hair, blue eyes, super thin. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to look like too as a teenager and adult. And could not be more opposite than her. And I just started, you know, noticing that everyone around me had different bodies. Like all of my friends were super thin and tiny. And I just have never been that way. I'm a curvy girl. I'm built like my mom and just started getting like bullied for, you know, being in a bigger body and started thinking that like my, my body was a problem, not everybody else. And like their opinions was crap. Um, and so I just like developed like such terrible body image and just only saw one image in, you know, the media and magazines. And I just kept thinking like, I, I was so mad that I was like born in this body. I just kept thinking like, oh, so pissed that I was like born in this like chubby body. And thinking back on it now, like that's just such a sad concept. And I just, for the longest time, I, you know, was restricting and binging and purging and developed like an eating disorder. And that went for about 10 years. And it wasn't until I was like 24 that Amy sitting in her office, she validated like, no, you definitely still have an eating disorder. Cause I was thinking this is your therapist. Yes. This is my therapist. Um, and I kept thinking, no, I don't like everybody diets and everybody like tracks their food and does my fitness pal. And you know, I'm tracking Tic Tacs, like that's not normal. <laughs> and so you know, she was like, no, like something's definitely still going on. And so it wasn't until like 10 years later that I like started actually figuring out why I had an eating disorder and healing my relationship with food and all of this shit. And now I would say I'm recovered for, you know, five or so years. I'm 30 now. And I now coach people through their own eating disorder recovery, which is super awesome. And I never thought that that would be like my career. So that's also full circle. <laughs> it's totally full circle. And I think that I know our podcast is geared towards moms, but I know when you and I were first working together, it's like you were a specific kind of mom, which part of your career was nannying these lovely kids that I think I don't know if you would say, but we're almost like kids of your own. Yeah, I'm actually seeing them in a couple of no weeks. No way. The ones from LA. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I feel like it's really helpful to hear from that perspective because you're a part of these kids' lives in a very special way. And so how do you feel like that job has affected your journey or that experience with that job? Yeah, it actually started a little bit earlier when I was teaching. So I was a teacher in Detroit for like a hot second um, before I moved out to LA and I, I mean, I was like bringing baggies of food and like doing my fitness pal while like everybody else is at lunch. And I'm like in my like room, like frantically shoving carrots in my mouth. And I just remember having my like seven-year-old students, like we were talking about goals and, you know, like goals for the year. And like one of my seven-year-old students, second grade was like, I want abs. And I, I literally was just like, wait, what? Like I couldn't grasp that at seven kids are, are becoming preoccupied with their bodies. And I'm like, you're supposed to be like focused on playing outside with your friends and eating yummy and good foods and like not worrying about what your body looks like. And it just made me so, it made me so sad. And then like, as I became a nanny, just like seeing how a lot of moms talk about their bodies in front of children 
it just like broke my heart. And I'm like, you are setting your child up to like have body image issues and to like have a weird relationship with food. And it's not obviously a intentional thing. No parent would ever want that, but it's like, we're so conditioned to just talk poorly about our bodies that we don't think like these little ears are listening. And so I just, with Zoe and Sloan, I would like always talk about self-love with Zoe and like make her kiss herself in the mirror and like do all this, like just like dancing and feeling good in her body. And her mom has always just said, like, I'm just so grateful that like she had you around that because I mean, so many kids just like grow up thinking that like standing in front of the mirror and saying bad things about yourself is so normal. Okay. I think you're bringing up an interesting point about the fact that you were the nanny to sisters. And then you also had this sister who looked very different from you and how much in like the story of the story we tell ourselves about our bodies and then also our family legacy and our family's relationship with our bodies really impacts us. So I'm just curious what it's, what it was like for you to be the sister and then to watch the sisters. Yeah. I mean, it was so interesting because I mean, my sister and I had such a terrible relationship growing up, not terrible. It was just like, my sister was a typical older sister. I wanted so badly to be like her and just would steal her clothes and then she'd get pissed because I'd ruin them. And so <laughs> I just so looked up to her and she also had an eating disorder too. And I actually was the one that like started picking up on those, those behaviors and like kind of found out like she had one. And so I actually started mimicking what she was doing. And I would like start restricting because she was, and I'm like, oh, well, if she gets attention from boys, if she like is doing those things and like she's popular, then like I have to do those things too. And like just watching Zoe and Sloan like growing up together and like seeing how like the little sister totally mimics and wants to follow suit what the older sister does. And if they're having unhealthy eating habits or you know talking poorly about their body, like that's just gonna continue down to that little sister. So like Sloan was pretty young by the time I left nannying, but I just love seeing Zoe now, like how she talks to Sloan and like, obviously they have a sister dynamic where, you know, they might hate each other sometimes, but it's just like, I love seeing this like older sister, like Zoe kind of like comfort her and like take care of her. And I just hope that, you know, Kristen's such a wonderful mom. I just hope that, you know, now they, they won't have body image issues. I'm sure they're going to have their own shit, but yeah, it's just, it's stressful, like, thinking about raising kids. It's terrifying. For sure, yeah. So how do you feel like now your relationship with your sister is now that you're on your recovery journey? And It's so much better. I actually was just saying this to a friend. I just went home recently, and it just, it, and same with my mom. My mom actually went through recovery coaching, too, which is really awesome. What? Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. After my mom like saw me go through my recovery and start to be a recovery coach, she was like, I think I like actually need to do that too. And so it was so awesome. It just to like see that my mom like took advice from me or just like wanted to follow suit. And I just feel like our family dynamic is so much better because we just don't talk about our bodies in like a poor way anymore. And it was never an intentional thing. It was just, that's what people do is they talk about diets or weight loss or their bodies. And it just, it, me going home, I don't feel the anxiety I used to feel because I, I just am so more comfortable in my body and who I am that like, if a conversation does come up, I'm not completely triggered, like 
like feeling terrible and uncomfortable. So yeah, my like family dynamic with my sister, with both my parents is just, it's so much better. And I'm just, I think it's because I'm a happier person. Sure. I think that's true. That is truly rewriting that family legacy, right? Where like you were the seed that's planted for them to really maybe build that confidence or get that permission to be like, well, cool. I want to do that too. And you're like living proof that it's possible. So why not? You know, that's like true, yeah. truly rewriting it. I love that. I love hearing that's that. That's healing two generations. Yeah. So if there happens to be a third generation in the cards for anybody, like you're talking about now two different healed generations, really shifting that legacy. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I told myself. One of my biggest motivations for recovery was, oh my God, I do not want my kid to go through this. Like there's no way in hell I want a child to like feel like this. And I'm going to be the one that has to like change my behavior so I can actually be aware if they are having those behaviors. So you have a large social media presence. Like it's, it feels like a second job. Is it a job for you? <laughs> oh, it is. It could be my full-time okay, job. Yeah. It is a lot. It's yeah. a lot, yeah. So what makes you passionate about one sharing the vulnerability that you do share on social media and then being vulnerable about your body image on social media. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it really helped with my recovery, which it sounds really weird because social media can be like such a terrible, (laughs) terrible space. But I also think that it can be such like a powerful space if you choose to create like that that environment for yourself. And I'm in the beginning of sharing kind of like my eating disorder recovery. It was so hard because I saw my following like drop, like people from high school and people from college. And I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. It was like kind of hard to like know that people weren't resonating with my content, but it held me accountable and actually doing the work. I am someone that is completely avoidant. I hate doing hard things. And I, I just like, didn't want to do the work, you know? And so it actually like held me accountable in doing that work. And actually like, I look back on my old blog and I used to be a beach body coach and like tell people to go on these cleanses and it makes me cringe, but it's actually like this great timeline to see like how much healing work I did. And I mean, it just took off unintentionally. Like I just continued to like share my story and get these like great like DMs and comments and feedback about like how I like help someone go to recovery or like, you know, they are now talking about the fact that they had an eating disorder and just actually having awareness. And so it just made me so happy to know that like my small story has impacted someone. And I try to imagine if I was 14, 15, 16 and fell upon my Instagram that probably would have helped my body image a lot, just seeing another woman that looks like me. And so I continue to share my story and continue to share like my body image issues. Like I just got trolled last week about me gaining weight in a relationship and whoo, it like totally triggered me. And I cried on Instagram and I just really wanted to share that because so many people are like, just ignore the trolls. And I'm like, I think it's really important to talk about that. We can't just ignore these comments sometimes. Like maybe it's something from a parent. Maybe it's something from like a boyfriend or a friend. And like as hard as, as as tough as we can be, or like as thick as my skin has become from being on Instagram, like I'm still human. I still have bad body days. I still like 
sometimes struggle with eating disorder thoughts, like they're not just completely vanished. And I wanted to share that because I think that's the reality of going through this like body acceptance journey. Like it doesn't stop. That's really fascinating to hear you go from beach body cleanses to body positivity. <laughs> like I'm so curious what the greatest lessons you learned were that helped you go from those two I don't want to say extreme. Dichotomies. Dichotomies, yes. Yeah. You know, I thought when I was a beach body coach, I was like, I'm so like I'm recovered. I'm healthy. I'm doing great. Like I I truly thought that like I was living this like quote unquote like lifestyle, but it was just a diet. Like I I was part of this team and I was like tracking all these things and trying to get people to buy the shakes and eating like eight almonds, which like no one eats eight almonds. And so I remember sitting in Amy's office and I, the reason I reached out to her was I was nannying and I was so busy all the time. And I was pissed because I was trying to fit food into these small containers for 21 day fix. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm trying to take care of a child and I'm focused on like not having my Tupperware. And I was like, this is like, something's off. Like I'm not actually as comfortable as I thought I was. And I think I was trying to like gain control because I had just moved to an entirely new state and felt like terrified. And so I, once like I started talking to Amy, I realized like tracking my food and going on cleanses and convincing other people to go on cleanses like is not normal and it's not like a healthy lifestyle to live. And I think I, my eating disorder had just morphed into me as like a health coach. Like I was just trying to mask it. I was just kind of trying to pretend I was okay, but I wasn't. It was just, it was like a mask for like my eating disorder. Right. And I know that a lot of our sessions were talking about like, I'm, I'm being with these kids. I'm hanging out with these kids all day. I have to cook them food. And mm-hmm. then at the same time, I'm also like bringing my own food which is like really annoying and I'm hungry, right? Yeah. And then it was like, well, just eat the food that you're making the kids. And it was like explosion of your brain. Like your head literally literally popped off. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait, no. No, absolutely not. Why have I not thought of this concept? (laughs) Like why can't I eat the chicken nuggets too? Totally. Or like the snacks or whatever. Like I remember a lot of those conversations and like my impression was that because you were passionate about these children, you truly cared about these kids, that then your work, so here's another thread of accountability, your work was, I'm going to eat what they're eating, because one, it does taste good, two, I would never serve these kids anything that was endangering them, and three, it's more convenient, like, let's just be real, I don't want to make seven meals, I'm just going to make one, right? And and show these kids that I have a normal relationship with food. I embrace my body. Let's be positive, yeah. you know, and yeah. like move forward. Yeah. And I don't think I like I realized how much like that could have been weird for kids <laughs> to see like, okay, I'm eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Yet my nanny or my mom is having this like small side salad. Like what's going on here? Totally. And like I, yeah, I think it was like a big accountability factor for me right they definitely pick up on that and for listeners I want to point out that this was a a long period of time it's not like one session I was like just eat it and you were like okay 
I'll do it tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah, then we worked like, together for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was quite a, you know, period of time. So just throwing that out there. Hey, hey, listeners. We are excited to tell you about this amazing brand we just discovered called Dia. Their philosophy is to design clothing for women that want great fashion and proper fit in sizes 14 plus. As you learn to embrace your mom jeans, check out Dia to find denim jeans with a J and a complete outfit for your perfect fit. To help you feel fabulous in your mom bod, Dia is offering our listeners an exclusive savings. To get 30% off, head to dia.com, that's D-I-A, and use our code MOMGENES, M-O-M-G-E-N-E-S. You can try the clothes on in the comfort of your own home, keep what you love, and always get free shipping and returns. Finally, a brand that has your mom jeans in mind. Visit Dia.com and use code MOMJEANS to get 30% off your order. Dia is excited to work with Mom Jeans, the podcast, this season. So head to Dia.com and use code MOMJEANS to receive 30% off your order. All right, let's head to our episode. I think that's a really good word to use of endangered, Tina. Like, you're right. As, as a parent, we get in this parent bear, mama bear mode where we're going, I want to keep my child safe. So why would I ever serve my child food that would endanger them? And if that food's not endangering them, it's not going to endanger me. Why am I the exception? Why is my body the exception? And if there's a dichotomy there in your brain, I think for listeners to realize that is where the work is, right there in that space. Well, and we live in a culture that tells us, hey, there is something wrong with that food, right? So there's this whole other realm of diet culture that makes us believe that there is this perfect way of eating, which is probably why you were bringing a side salad to like make you think that that's going to give you energy for the day when really that should be one of many sides, right? It's a side. It's not your main meal. Yeah, I'm right? taking care of kids for 12 hours. Like, you get so needed more than that. some leaves. So tired yeah. just thinking about it. Now that I actually have a child, I'm like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point when you're sharing about the kind of the tier two of your recovery. It's like I had a use for it. And then I went more into this wellness lifestyle and how like oh our God. culture glorifies that. But when you look at it, it's so much about identity. Like, but this is who I am and this is what my values are. And I'm just, I'm just really careful about this kind of stuff. And it, you're right. All of a sudden you're now having to unpack your relationship, your intentions and your identity. So that's a big piece of rewriting a story is being able to look at the identity. So I'm curious if you could speak to that process. Yeah, honestly, it was like kind of overwhelming because I think I just didn't want to look at my shit. Like I didn't want to look at like why I was feeling insecure, why like I had these body image issues. Like it was, I I was avoidant of my emotions because emotions scared me. And it like, I was always told I was too emotional and too this and too sensitive. And I am like, I'm, I'm, I cry all the time. And I like think it's amazing now because I'd rather do that than like be numb like I was before but it just it was really overwhelming to realize that like oh the last two to four years that I thought I was like being healthy and living in this like wellness culture and being like this health coach isn't actually healthy and I'm like well wait like what is like I we just are not taught how to actually like 
be intuitive with our food, be intuitive with like our movement and like actually listen to what our body needs. And so I felt like I was just like kind of lost because I'm like, well, if it's not this, if it's not that, like, then what the hell is it? Which is why I was like, I need a professional to like actually help me with this. Cause I, I just felt like I didn't have any resources or a good person to go to, to actually know what a healthy relationship with food looked like. Cause it had always been toxic or restrictive. I mean, I think it's such a good point to recognize. And this is why we're wanting to do this episode, which is to really go, hey, we all have the power to rewrite this legacy, even if you're in the middle of it and realizing, whoops, I have to change some things because I'm not actually teaching myself or teaching my kids how to be intuitive, how to appreciate their bodies, you can start rewriting it now, right? Like I even think of points where sometimes my husband and I are really tired and our kid is just like, he's going through some major tantrum boundary stuff right now. Like the quote unquote terrible twos are hitting us at 19 months. Mm. Like it's happening. And so there's times (laughs) where we're like eating and we just like put something on to watch as a way to like disconnect and I'm like this isn't great you know like this could be if we do it consistently this could be something that teaches our kid to really dissociate while eating and so it's like little things like that that we could go okay well I'm not perfect it's gonna happen sometimes but for the most part here are my values and these are the boundaries that surround those values so it kind of feels like yeah, you have to rewrite that identity and it's hard and it takes a lot of work, but Mm -hmm. you're living proof it's possible. Yeah. And I just, I think I had to realize like, okay, clearly what I've been doing, like my best thinking got me here and I don't feel good. So maybe I should try something different and take like advice from other people that are professionals and know what they're talking about. And I think it was just scary for me because I actually had to like figure out who I was and like what I valued and didn't have, wasn't trying to like morph into like what I thought I should be. And I think that scared me because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to know what I am. Granted, love who I am now. And I think it was a great process to go through, but terrifying. Okay. So this is a two-parter, but so what's the greatest lesson you've learned in your body acceptance journey and how do you feel that's going to be impacted as you start a family someday? I think the biggest thing for me in my like body acceptance journey, which is like, you know, it's still a work in progress. There are some days where I feel not so great and other days where I feel wonderful um, is actually like owning up to how I'm feeling and validating like my own feelings throughout the process and not feeling so much like shame and guilt around what I'm feeling. I used to get really embarrassed about feeling some type of way or feeling angry or, you know, feeling insecure and actually like validating what I'm feeling throughout the process has just been so helpful and not like searching for external validation. Like I have to be the one that's going to validate how I feel in that moment And also knowing that it's like a continuous journey. It's not like, woo, I feel great and I'm down and I'm done with the work. It's like the wind will be taken out of my sails again at some point and I'm going to have to like pivot and figure out what the heck to do. So that's been the biggest thing. And I think now just having the awareness of how powerful our words are and how we talk about ourselves 
I think is going to really be helpful with me being a mother in the future of just knowing that what I say, my kid listens, even if I don't think they're listening. Um, and I really just want to create a super safe environment for them to be open and talk about their vulnerabilities, their insecurities, and let them know that like, these are normal things to be feeling like, let's actually have a conversation about them instead of making them feel like shameful or embarrassed about it. So really just creating like a safe container for them to have these conversations because I know they'll come up. Yeah, I think there's so many stories that I would have to like dig in the barrel of my brain to dig out, but like of parents or clients that I've worked with to where they're like, yeah, and one day my kid said this or did this and I didn't even, I never actually said that directly to them or didn't even realize they were watching me and now they're mimicking something from years ago and it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're little sponges. They know they may not fully understand what is happening, but they are watching, they are listening and you're their teacher. And so you're all they really have. And they also have diet culture, which is everywhere and not great either. So yeah, be mindful. So I, I just texted Tina 30 minutes ago because I was with my son at the car wash and he picked out some candy and he looked at the packaging and he goes, what are calories? Oh my gosh. And I was like, it's a good thing I've been listening to my own podcast because I think I could handle this one yes. <laughs> in a really constructive way. But like, it's so true. Like doing the work ourselves is so imperative because those moments are going to catch us off guard and they're going to come when we are not expecting it. And we have to be ready to kind of know how to answer that in a way that feels good to us and feels okay for them and, and satisfying and so 100 I, I agree with what you're saying about doing the work for yourself as well and then being aware of the language yeah which I think it's like a totally valid question mom what the right. heck are calories right, right. And it's, it's like, like right there on the front of the package she's like what does this mean let's what? talk about it let's not be scared of this word right it's the same thing with fat you know like Let's explain the difference between food, fat, body fat. Neither are negative, but let's like really get used to this word. It's only when we project our own stuff onto our kids, add value in a negative way that then they're taking that and taking what you've taught them. So it is really important to do our own work. I hope that the work that I've done, like, I mean, I'm sure my kids are going to turn out with some issues at some point because that's normal. But yeah, I'm just, I'm honestly super excited to like see how parenting goes. And I'm just really happy that I won't, I mean, I'm sure being pregnant will bring up its own insecurities, but if I was in an eating disorder and pregnant, my body was changing, who oh, that could be bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've really built the path to be able to go in in a way that is, you know, the most neutral, because it's true, like, hey, being pregnant, it's not always fabulous, you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you, but for me, it was like, I have an alien growing in my body. And I really feel off balance now because my entire stomach, my body inhaled my butt and pushed oh it out, seriously and pushed it out to the front so literally I was like off balance of you a were like strong, teetering so a strong wind could come in and blow me over at any time and now my Henry's 
19 almost 20 months it's like my butt came back my butt came back y'all it came back (laughs) so I I feel better in balance I feel better so we've covered a lot but I'm curious if there's any specific message that you would want to share with those who are listening that are probably navigating this journey of healing their negative body image mentality or their disordered eating habits Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing I see with like my clients through my own journey is like actually having awareness around what is like healthy behaviors with food and what is unhealthy and what's like, yeah. I mean, I just, I didn't think that everything I thought about food was bad. And I just, I had such a, like a distorted image of everything. And so I think overall kind of looking at your relationship with your body? Are you constantly dissatisfied with what you see in the mirror? Are you constantly body checking? Are you, you know, do you view food as good or bad? Like what's your relationship with fitness? And if any of those things feel really uncomfortable, I think having the awareness of like, okay, there's like a problem here. And like, what steps can I take to kind of work through that? Does that mean I need to hire a coach or see a therapist or a dietitian or, you know, do X, Y, and Z, but knowing that like where you're at right now, it is something that you can work through. Like you're not stuck here, um, which I definitely for a long time felt super stuck and know that like no feeling is permanent. No place that you're in is permanent. You just actually have to like acknowledge that there's an issue and like take steps forward to like fix that. It is such a journey. That's the reality, right? And it is constantly changing. I wish I could share with listeners the the image but it's like you know it's like this squiggly line that's like what does recovery look like it's like it is a slow incline but it's squiggly so there's like these valleys and whatever and it is not a linear process and so there are going to be days and you've shared this a couple of times where it's like there are going to be those days where you're like I have disordered thoughts and I have negative body image but I'm still engaging and choosing self-care. I'm not resorting back to kind of the facade that our society teaches us, which is like, hey, you can hate your body but and change it, right? But the reality is, is that these feelings, these this discomfort is normal. But how are you going to engage? Are you going to choose the self-care route and like acceptance route? validation route or are you going to continue down the like self-loathing I'm going to try to change my body for the rest of my life so yeah yeah the biggest thing was like okay I've always chose behaviors that like hurt me now I need to choose behaviors that like are helpful and like soothing and like that to me is like the biggest part of recovery is knowing that like the voices and like thoughts still might exist but like the behavior that comes after is like the most important part for sure yeah those voices are you it's yeah 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 most people are like I have this voice in my head that's telling me all this I'm like that's your perception of yourself let's work on that right yeah we can can rewrite that oh my god we can rewrite that legacy that voice it keeps coming full circle (laughs) yeah um okay so do you have any resources that have been helpful for you or you feel like would be helpful for our listeners in navigating this journey or Yeah. I mean, three of my favorite books. I love health at every size. I just think everybody should read it. Super helpful. I know you guys are a health at every size perspective. Um, and that's like what I teach from as well. Um, also, um, 
I wrote it down here. Oh, beauty sick. Um, I'm in the process of reading it right now, but it's talking about like how our cultural obsession with our image affects women and girls. And so it's a super powerful book. I really like it so far. And then honestly, anything Brene Brown. I The biggest book for me that was helpful was Gifts of Imperfection. Um, I love that book and Power of Vulnerability and just I just wish I could be best friends with that woman. Maybe you I can. literally have all three of those books in my nightstand right now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They're so good. Wow. wow. I thought COVID would include a lot of reading. Turns out, nope. Nope. No. I'm the slowest reader. Well, and it like, does not happen. who can read after? <laughs> with homeschooling three children, yeah. I mean. <laughs> so if our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? My Instagram is fit, fat, and all that. And then my website is fit, fat, and all that.com. So pretty self-explanatory. Uh-huh. And so you said that you do recovery coaching. Is that all there as well? Yep. So there's a link in my bio on Instagram or on my website, and there's a tab called recovery coaching, and you can book a free 15-minute consultation call. Um, yeah. And I'm always taking new clients. And you also have a podcast. I do. It's called Not Your Normal Women. Um, it's with my friend Devin DeMoretti. Um, and we haven't recorded in a while, but it's just women talking about taboo things like, you know, all things that women don't want to talk about, body image, sex, you know, all that type of good stuff. So yeah, super fun and candid. Awesome. Well, we'll blast that. So hopefully everyone checks that out. And yeah, Thanks. thank you so thank much you. for coming fun. on and chatting and giving the perspective from the other type of mom. Yeah, so, thank you for having me. This was so it. much fun. We hope you felt inspired and moved by this week's story. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at MomJeansThePodcast for details on the episode and to find our guest's information. If you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review us on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. We are sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast. And join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.